Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. All right, let's get right to it. You poor 6 a.m. listeners, we can't get really good guests for you guys. It turns out nobody wants to get up at 6 a.m. Mountain Time, 5 o'clock Pacific, to come on the show. However, that's my Stephen A. Smith. However, we can replay the interviews for you. And the last couple of days, we've had some good interviews. Uh, Kyle Whittingham came on with us. We're going to let you listen to him first. We've got Joe, Ingl- Joe Ingalls and Lincoln Kennedy coming up. Lincoln dropped a line that's already a very popular drop. So we'll get to the Jazz coming up and to Lincoln on the Pac-12 title game. But let's start with the head coach of the Utes for you early risers. Here's Kyle Whittingham with PK and I on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Kyle, good morning. Good morning, guys. How you doing? We're doing well. The Pac-12 title game looms. Are you going to tell us it's another game, or does it actually feel different? Oh, it feels different. Any championship game feels different. I don't think there's any secret about that. and It is uh, definitely a different feel than the regular season. And so, uh, you know, the positive is our, a lot of our guys have been here before, so it's not new to them like it was last year. So that's a little bit of a... a uh, you know, advantage for us, but uh, you know we've got a good team in Oregon that we're facing, and and uh, a lot of weapons, and so we got to be at our best. The things that I've noticed this season that I've been wanting to ask you for a long time, and I'll set it up, is usually when guys are pro material like a Jalen Johnson, they tend to go. You know, the Devils had Harry last year. Benjamin's talking about going, and they don't come back. You not only got one player, you got like four or five players to come back. I mean, is it your wife's brownies, or how in the heck did you <laughs> pull that off? Yeah, that was that was unique because there, there, you're exactly right. There was four or five guys that uh, had a strong case for for possibly entering the draft, and I think each one individually did their homework the right way, talked to the right people, um, and ultimately made the right decision. They all came back. I believe all of their stock has risen. Uh, you know what the guys were talking about in that group, and they've all got their degree now, and and uh, so a lot of positives. And you know, but there is risk coming back. There's no doubt about it. But but uh, hopefully we, you know continue down this path of uh, them having a great experience and, and uh, like I said, putting themselves in a better position. So it was very predictable that some of these guys, you know, Zach Moss is having a big year. Well, no kidding. But you have been helped by some guys that the fan base didn't know much about. Did you know, for instance, Brant Keith was going to end up being such a difference maker here in the, in the final third of the season? Well, we thought he had the talent. We knew, you know, we saw it last year. He flashed last year uh, at times, and and uh, really credit Andy Ludwig for uh, getting Brant in the right spots and and featuring him in the offense the way he has and playing to his strengths. Because because Brant's a tough matchup in space. He runs exceptionally well. No linebacker can cover him. That's that's a given. And a lot of safety struggle with him. And so uh, to say that we saw this type of production coming and we knew it would happen, no. But we knew that he had the skill set that. Uh, you know, he was going to be a playmaker for us. Yeah, you just said it in that answer to Keithy. Scally's getting a lot of run as a top assistant coach, and I'm fine with that. I don't personally like him, but I'm okay with him getting the publicity. <laughs> but I think the biggest addition to your ball club this year, your program, has been Andy Ludwig because I think he's been absolutely sensational. He has, and, and uh, not only Brant Keithy, but Tyler Huntley. That's been the biggest impact is, is the year that Tyler has had. And, and if you want to have a chance to be a championship team, you have got to have great play at the quarterback position. There's a rare, rare exceptions to that. And, and Tyler is having as good a year as as possible. I mean, he's, he's been terrific for us. He's been a great leader for us. And just a complete uh, 
you know, he's just a different person this year, and it's great to see that happen. 75.5% completion percentage. You've coached for a long time. You've got a lot of friends who've coached. How many coaches have had that luxury of a quarterback and a passing game that are that efficient? Very, very few. And you talk about the other things, you know, in addition to that completion percentage is his yards per attempt, which is a, is a really critical stat in the throw game. You've got to be, you know, you got to have a good yards per attempt if you're offense, you know, on offense and defense, that's something you look at to try to limit. And then you look at his uh, touchdown to interception ratio, which is off the charts. And, and uh, you know, the only thing he's not doing is throwing for three or 400 a game just because we don't throw the ball that much. But, but uh, he is as efficient of a quarterback as there is in the country right now when we do throw. So with all these guys coming back, the one thing that – not the one thing, but thing that you've emphasized and your players have emphasized, and, and I'm kind of a cynical dude, but since I've been around your program for a number of years, I see it's really true, and that family aspect of it, I don't know it's because we're in a smaller place as opposed to some of these Pac-12 teams that are in these major metropolitan areas, much bigger than when we are. I don't know if that contributes it for whatever the reason is with this family atmosphere, but I think part of the reason that all these guys came back and said no, to the NFL is because they enjoyed that family atmosphere that you are responsible for creating and cultivating. How much do you think that can? How much do you think I'm right in that the family atmosphere? And then something that you can pitch to recruits is guys, man, we we got something different here. Well, I would say it was a big part of their decisions, and and each of them mentioned that as well. You know, when I when I had the chance to sit down with them, and and that culture is something we've worked hard at for for a lot of years, and and uh, what it boils down to is our guys genuinely love each other and love to be around each other. It's a it is a family, it is a, a you know a brotherhood, I guess you could say, and uh, that's something that's that makes coaching these guys very gratifying. I mean, you don't want to. It's tough to coach a bunch of individuals and guys that are fragmented, and uh, fortunately for us, we're blessed. You know, here at University of Utah, where that's not the case, and our guys really care about each other. Like I said, and and uh, they're great teammates, and they're unselfish. So, what do you do to foster that and make sure that you know California guys don't hang with California guys, and that you know guys don't hang by by race or by uh, grade level? You know, the seniors are good to the freshmen and all that. I mean, how do you how do you what do you do intentionally that manages that? Well, first of all, it it's almost self-perpetuating. I mean, guys come into the program, the new guys, and we have a saying here that you will become us. We won't become you. You'll become us. And that's that's uh, something that the guys learn very quickly here is we have a way of doing things and a, and a way about our football team that, that uh, is how it's going to be. And they they uh you know they just join in and and away we go we're also uh you know in my opinion one of our main strengths is the diversity on this football team we're in our opinion the most diverse team in america we have almost exactly uh one-third african-american one-third polynesian one-third caucasian i don't think there's any team in the country that has that blend like we do and then you got the religious backgrounds and we got religious backgrounds from from uh you know all different uh, religions and then we also have the age difference you know, we have 18 year old freshmen and 25 year old return missionary seniors and so we've got the whole spectrum of players here I don't want you to give away a game plan, but Sewell, you mentioned him as on the offensive line, considered by many to be the best offensive lineman in the country. You didn't play him last year when they came in the Rice Eccles because he had an injury. Obviously, he'll be on the field in the Pac-12 title game. Uh, how do you handle that from a defensive perspective? Yeah, he's a great football player. There's no doubt about it, and and you're right. There's a, a lot of people's opinion, a lot of people's opinion that uh, know a lot about football believe he might be the best 
offensive lineman in the country. He's yet to give up a sack this year. I think he's only given up seven hurries, which that's an, you know that's uh, just almost unheard of to have that type of a year when you're talking a 12 game season and and uh but i can say this you know we've got some pretty good guys up front of our own and uh bradley and i that'll be a great matchup when bradley goes against uh sewell or whether it's mika tafua and and i think that might be the the uh most intriguing matchup in this game going in is is the oregon offensive line against the utah defensive line there's rain in the forecast. If it really comes down and is a major factor, how does that change the game? Well, it could change depending on how, how much rain you get, but the bigger factor, uh, DJ, might be the wind. You know, there's 17 to 18 mile an hour winds projected, and uh, that has more of an impact on what you do offensively than rain does typically, unless it's just a torrential downpour. And so we'll just have to see, but typically that means the run game becomes accentuated, and, you know, the team that runs the football better is most likely going to have the better chance to win. How good does it feel to remain undefeated in your 60s? <laughs> feels great so far. It's been about a week, but but so far so good. <laughs> yeah. And he thinks I like crazy stats. <laughs> well, I brought it up in Tucson, but I didn't bring it up the other night, so I thought I should That's bring right, it up now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one game later. I guess we're 2-0 now. Yeah, you're 2-0, yeah, so man. Good. You're rolling. That's good. Let's keep it going. You got keep that wisdom going. finally. That's right. <laughs> All right, Coach. Thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Okay, guys. Great being with you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Kyle Whittingham right there. Uh, he mentions the yards per attempt, PK. Tyler Huntley, 11.1 yards. Is that, that is, good? That is beyond good. That is some type of excellent uh, fantabulous. Uh, Hertz and Tonga-Vailoa are the two guys who get more. Even Barrows at 10.9. Uh, Tua Tonga-Vailoa, 11.3. And Jalen Hurts leads the country at 11.7. I mean, that is elite. It's like you drop back to pass, you're picking up 10 or 11 yards. You don't need to know much about football to know how awesome that is. I don't know that I've ever seen a quarterback in all this time of watching college football who has improved from his first year as a starter, which in his case would be his sophomore year, to where he is now. The transformation of Tyler Huntley has just been absolutely remarkable. And and you have to give credit to the young man for sure. But Ludwig, as I said in my questions to Kyle, deserves a ton of credit. And the thing that I love about Ludwig is that he was adamant right from spring ball, I will put the plays on the table that Tyler will not have to worry about running because I'll make sure this is the play. There will be no decision. And he was so emphatic about he's going to be a quarterback, not this runner dude where he ends up with 10 more carries in any given game than Zach Moss. And we haven't seen that. Uh, Ludwig from the spring called his shot. And he has delivered to the utmost. And again, the credit needs to go to Huntley for being able to execute it. But the improvement that Tyler Huntley has made has just been so amazing to me. And, and I have to admit, I was not the biggest Huntley fan based on the work that I had seen. And then you see this year, and you have to be a fan. You have to, you have to pay him, as far as his playing ability, the utmost respect. Because his play has been absolutely brilliant. Yeah, he started to improve, and Kyle talked about this on one Tuesday media session probably a month ago. Uh, you could see things starting to click for him once he got past that 10th start or so. His last four starts before he got hurt last year were great. You could see it coming. But this is a level above that. And I think in addition to 
praising him and praising the offensive coordinator. I think you got to praise that whole receiver group because none of them get treated like a star. They get one or two chances a game to make an impact. They have really minimized the drops, and they've also maximized the big plays, whether it's going and getting a 50-50 ball or, and this is one area they've really excelled at, and it's why his yards per attempt are so high. They The, the passing game's now designed, the guys are executing it, they're running for yards after they catch the ball. It seemed like there were years where that never happened, and if they did complete the pass, the guy was tackled immediately. And now, oh, I like how you said that very fast. Almost like a mental image. Exactly. <laughs> and now you're routinely seeing guys catching, and they're making a play, and then they're running for the yards after the catch. And who doesn't love Yak? Yeah, I mean, I do. But to me, they're just doing what they're supposed to do. Yeah. And, okay. But and, it's been and that's so good long, enough. Yeah. It's been that's so great. long since they had a receiver okay. group that did that. So, so they went from sucking to getting where they're supposed to be. Yep. And but uh, they had to improve too. Huntley. Well, they just needed to get where they were supposed to be, which yep. is improving. I grant you. But Huntley has not just improved. I. He I, has taken it up twenty five notches. Quantum leap forward. Yeah. Yes. And I don't. I don't think I really believed in him, even though four and deal in October last year. Because if I remember correctly, they didn't beat anybody. They they played teams with losing records, and not that they've beat a ton of teams this year, but, but they've they, at least beat teams that are they seven have beat, and five. Yes, they right. have, and he has been absolutely brilliant. And I would suspect that he's going to continue that against Oregon. I have no reason to think otherwise based on 11 games. And he's making all the right decisions, and Ludwig has been creative in his play calling with a number of different ways to get playmakers the ball. See, that's where I think that the receivers have been some of their best work has been on fly sweeps. And Keithy, you know, he's a, yep. he's not a traditional tight end coming out of the backfield. That's where, they, and they haven't had the drops. No, uh, Samson Nakua has had a brilliant season. And I think yeah. that he, where he was and where he is now, and, and good for them, is that he's a junior. And Thompson has shown a little bit like he's ready to break out. We're still waiting, 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 because he's got all the uh, measurables for sure. You look at him and you look at a kid like Devin Lloyd on the defense, you think, wow, they were blessed with the phenomenal attributes to be able to go succeed. And they all have. So, yes, you have to credit the receivers. But to me, it's Huntley and Ludwig, the way they've been working together has just been the difference. The defense, once those guys came back, Fotu and Anai and Blackman, they were going to be really good. Now, there's been some other guys who've stepped up and waited their turn, and they've become good. A kid like Burgess jumps to mind big mm-hmm. time. I expected Bernard to play well. Uh, he had to yes. bide his time because they had some seniors ahead of him. But he's but played it, really well. It, it, he's been which is zero field. surprise. Right, especially behind that D-line. Yeah. I've always thought their linebackers should be bigger stars than they were, and it's really happening these last couple of years. Yeah, he, to me, he's an NFL kid and so they were fortunate enough to be able to get him and he's plugged the hole that they needed that's to, he's not a surprise but the, the play of Tyler Huntley is the number one surprise in my mind he should be offensive player of the year for the 2019 uh, Pac-12 season and I and I'm I don't have a vote I would vote Jalen Johnson which normally they don't give it to a DB it tends to be a lineman or a linebacker uh, I think Brad, Bradley and I, I've got no problem with that. Yeah. Or I, 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 to me, I would go Fotu a little bit above uh, an eye. Could, could be Fotu has to take up all the bodies. Yeah, uh, but Jalen Johnson, you go look at what Brandon Ayuk has done at ASU. He has been really, really good. Look what he did against Oregon, and then look what he did against the, uh, the Utes. Absolutely nothing. Now, a lot of that was the pressure that Anai and Foto are putting on Jaden Daniels. I understand that, but he still did nothing, and in a large degree, it was because of Jalen Johnson, and Kyle has talked about 
many times over, well, you got half the field you don't have to worry about so much with Jalen. I don't think he'll get it, but I would give it to him. And then to me, Huntley should be a slam dunk. DJ PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Coming up next, Lincoln Kennedy, normally reserved, thoughtful. (laughs) He got fired up, and he's ready to take a shot at Paul Feinbaum. We'll get to that next. Stay with us. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Time right now for us to talk college football with Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks and Raider analyst. He joins us on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get an iPhone 11 on us when you activate a new line of service with a flex lease and eligible trade-in now through December 5. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys. How are we today? We are doing well. Man, if you're a conspiracy theorist, this is just a glorious time. So are we the, going at it already? I mean, look, we got, I mean, it, it, it could be a little bit better of a scenario, but with Utah coming in and the latest rankings at five, the, 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 everything is there for the taking. You know, um, in this day and age, there are a lot of people, especially on both sides, in, in college and, and pro, well, well, if this team beats this team, then we got a chance. Just go out there and take care of business. Win, do your part, and let the chips fall as they may. But, you know, Utah is right there for the positioning. They've got Oregon. They're favored. They should, uh, they should not have as difficult time with the Ducks as I think their defense can, can deter and, and, and stop a lot of things that the Ducks do well. But it's still going to be a challenge. you still got to go out there and play the game. But everything is right there for them. So you're not nervous about the winner of Oklahoma-Baylor at 6-7 and seven catapulting? No. No, I'm not. I, I think that – um, because of the matchup that is in the Pac-12 championship, because of what we saw on national TV say last week, I think Utah, in the eyes of, the, of, of a lot of people, are in a good position where they deserve, if they take care of business in the Pac-12 championship, um, and deserve a chance to play in the playoff. So you got Paul Feinbaum sitting on ESPN saying, quote, let's be honest, the country does not want to see Utah in the college football playoff. Close quote. Is that just a bunch of noise out there in the media that doesn't matter or opinions like that or actually people think that and he's just the only one willing to say it out loud? Because i got to say that that goes right at a lot of Utah fans' insecurities and it's a little hard to blame well, them. Look, we we talked about it. And, yeah. and look, it would have been better if Oregon had won out and Utah won out. Right. It would have set a much higher stage for what, it, for what it's worth. But I think that this goes back to our conversation all throughout the year. The fact that the Pac-12 has not had a good running as far as national favoritism, you know, when it comes to the bowl games and outings and stuff like that, it has not had a good running. The last time that Oregon was on national TV, they got beat by Arizona State, which, you know, a lot of people say, well, no, Oregon's too good. They should be able to handle it. You know, these things happen. We know the competitive level of the Pac-12 because we cover it all, every day. But people like Paul Feinbaum, who's nothing more to me than a, an Alabama apologist, uh, does nothing but to try to you know up you know uplift the SEC more than anything because I know he's on their payroll. But uh, I, I mean, he's probably has the opinion of a lot of people out there who just don't.
don't know Pac-12 football or don't care to know Pac-12 football, but I think Utah has done what it's needed to do to deserve an opportunity. They take care of business against Oregon, deserve an opportunity to play for a national championship. Well, you're a big dude, Lincoln, obviously. Why don't you get real close to Pine Bomb? Just kind of stand oh, over me. I, I've been trying for a while. <laughs> I mean, I, I really wanted to slap that little bald-ass head for a while, so this is, this is nothing new. <laughs> you scare me over the phone. Oh, uh, well, trust me. I'm, 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 tired of, I'm tired of his going-ons about, you know, the, this, the, the, criti- the critiques, uh, you know, of, of every other program, but he just wants to make apology after apology for Alabama or the SEC in general. Oh, man. I can't disagree with you, I, but you made me nervous. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Feel I, I, don't, I don't see how we're topping that. I don't know what we're supposed to talk about next. I want to slap his little ball head. But I do want to slap his head. Oh, my gosh. He'd go about two miles if you slapped his head. A true story. True story. Oh, man. So let's take right. a look at the game then uh, mm-hmm. in between Oregon and Utah. You're right. They are favored. Uh, you know, you're an interior lineman by trade, and so we're looking at an experienced offensive line versus an experienced defensive line. In your history, who wins that? Well, that's why I love this game. I, I mean, everything starts in the trenches, and it's who's ever has the bigger will to win. I think Oregon has made a conscious effort, especially the last couple of seasons, to show that they can be deemed as a power team with their offensive line, big offensive line, talented offensive line. And we know Utah's model has always been consistent. Play stingy defense, especially stopping the run, and then trying to run the ball down the, down people's throats, so ground and pound. So I think it's a class-up matchup between classic football that Utah bears and sort of this new age, modern throw from sideline to sideline, you know, that as we dink and dink you down the field that Oregon has done. So, um, and, and then of course Oregon is, is, has a run game as well. So I'm looking really, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I'm hoping that it's going to be an exciting game. How much do you think the weather is going to change this, Kyle? Whittingham has uh, been asked about this, and he's looking at not just the rain, which he said now it's like a 100% chance of rain in the latest forecast, but also wind anywhere from 18 to 21 miles an hour. That would yeah. seem to mess with the passing game. So it could really be old-school grinded outs. you got to be careful when you throw the ball because the wind's is going to mess with you. And wouldn't, that, and wouldn't that be good for the way Utah plays football? I, I think it is. It, it bodes well. But, you know, having to go to the air to keep defenses honest, it's a great thing that Huntley has had as, as strong a year as he had taking care of the ball. I think, that's, again, that's another thing that favors. You know, Oregon has a good quarterback. It still favors Utah. What do you think about style points as far as them being necessary in Utah's win to really solidify their spot if Georgia loses to LSU? You know, I've been on the on the fence a little bit about this because – you know, part of me says, well, Utah needs to go out there and blow out Oregon. But I think there will be those pundits out there that would say, well, Oregon lost to Arizona State and really never been the same since, you know, in spite of what they did over the last couple of games. Um, so I'm really on the fence. I think that if, if it, the way I would like to see it, it'd be a close game in the first half. And then as the second half gets, you know, uh, gets, gets going, Utah finds a way to pull away, you know, a turnover, a quick touchdown, 
putting the pressure on Oregon for Herbert to have to showcase why he you know, deserves to be possibly a number one draft choice in the National Football League, uh, put the pressure on him, and then watch Utah you know, defend that, defend against that. I think that's a great show because, let's face it, when it comes to the, when it comes to the playoff, when it comes to any football, quarterback play is one that kind of stands out to a lot of people. You say what you want about defense and run game, but they want to see quarterbacks being able to light up and put on a good show. That's why you know you guys like the Burrows and 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 everyone else are there. That's so much of the focus of the community. I mean, the football football world. So it's interesting. You talked about uh, it comes down to the will to win. That is the exact phrase. Zach Moss used. So you think a little less on the X's and O's in the execution and more on somebody's willingness to, whether it's a blocker or the guy carrying the ball, willingness to run over somebody and drag them downfield a few yards? Let me tell you something about line play. When, when, when I was in the trenches, I looked across the guy that I was playing against and I, say, and I used to say to myself over and over and again, you will not stop me. You will not stop me from doing impeding my will upon you and doing what I want to do. If the run gap is coming right here, we're going to we're going to run for some yards. We're going to get we're going to have some success. If I have to stop you from getting to the quarterback, you're not going to touch my quarterback. That was the mindset that you have to have over and over again. And more importantly, when you're playing a game like this, you know you you know what to do. Every, each person on each team in each position knows what to do. This is the championship game. You work your way all the way to this point. Now, the last thing you want to do is have a mental letdown because you're not. You know, you're not concentrating or, or you're thinking about something else. No, the focus and the will to win comes from every, each and every player on both sides of the ball. Do their job at the utmost of their ability and utmost level, and then, you know, you'll see how everything else lands. And if you win, you win. If you lose, you can't walk off the field and say, you know what, I didn't give it 100% effort. You buy the theory that Oregon's going to put forth this best game of the season because of the fact they don't want to end the season with two out of three losses, and if they win it, they're going to play in a Rose Bowl. Well, you know, here's the thing. When you're on the other side and you've lost your opportunity to, say, play for a playoff or a national championship, you want to play spoiler. I mean, it, it runs synonymous with playoff teams in the National Football League. Well, we're not going to playoffs. We're going to try to make things hard for you. But yeah, definitely. I would think that Oregon would want that. I mean, this is still a premier game that's, at, you know, uh, for the taking in the Rose Bowl. So, yeah, you would want to not only be spoiler to another team, but, yes, put yourself back on top. Does Oregon have a distinct advantage somewhere that Ute fans should watch and fear a little bit? Something Utah's really got to control or they're going to be in trouble? Good question. From what I've seen, no, I, I, think, I think Utah has withstood the test of everything that Oregon can throw at them. Um, even from their coverage, their coverage situations in the back end, the secondary, with Oregon's receivers, I think they, they have the ability to handle it. And I, I do think they can get a rush on, on Herbert. So you're picking Utah then? You like the, uh, Utah, Utah. By, Utah by a touchdown or Utah in a big blowout? Uh, I, I, again, I'm on the fence. Part of me wants to see a big blowout because I just want to show them to enforce that they deserve to be a part of it. So, yeah, I'm going to say Utah's in a, I'm going to make a decision and say Utah in a blowout. All right, Lincoln, we appreciate it. And uh, that was, to be clear, that wasn't an actual threat of physical violence with Paul. That was just like an emotional reaction to him blowing his top, right? 
No, it's actually <laughs> physical. Oh, okay. Right. All right. Well, at least we're clear. So there's yeah, that. Yeah, we're clear. All right, we're clear. If, if I see him, I'm slapping the back of the head. If I, I turn, I'm telling him, this is going to happen. I might get arrested. Just I might not be able to come on the show with you guys until I make bell and get home. But you guys just know that you, you heard it here first. Well, you, you get one phone call yeah, a week, you though, if you're in the slammer. Right. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll call Jake and see what he can pull out. <laughs> I don't have the studio number. <laughs> Thank you, Lincoln. Thanks, guys. That's Lincoln Kennedy, our Pac-12 uh, analyst there. He works for the Pac-12 Network, calls the Raider games with Brent Musburger, and he wants to take a shot at Paul Feinbaum even if he goes to jail. Holy cow. All right. When we come back, Joe Ingles, what's wrong with the Jazz? What's going on? And after the media leaves the locker room, what do these guys sit around and talk about? What does Joe think about when he's driving home? Joe Ingles, coming up next. Stay with us. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. All right, Joe Ingles is one of our most popular interviews. Get tons of downloads. Go to 1280thezone.com. You can download the interviews we do, the, the segments, the hours we do, and you can listen there. Uh, for those of you who rise early in the morning and aren't lingering around when Joe's here at 8.50 or 9 or 9.30, whatever fits in with his schedule, we replay him every week in the morning. Uh, the Jazz obviously have lost three in a row, five out of seven. The defense has been giving up 120 points way too often, five times in the last seven games. What's going on? What's wrong? How can it all change? Here's PK and I with Joe Ingles. Hey, yeah. This is the Zone Sports Network. Back to Joe and he'll flush. And it's time to hear from the best looking, most charismatic, and certainly the most intelligent member of the Utah Jazz. Jingle bells. Joe Ingles. Gives it back to Joe till the cop slams it in. And yes, for the record, Joe wrote this introduction. This is the Joe Ingles Show (laughs) with DJ and PK. Who? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. The Joe Ingles Show is brought to you by your hardworking friends at Mountainland Supply. For all your plumbing and irrigation needs, go to mountainlandsupply.com. DJ and PK, we turn the reins now over to Joe Ingles for the Joe Ingles Show. And we're just along for the ride. Joe, good morning. <laughs> good morning. How you doing? It's good to be on your show this morning, Joe. Appreciate it. It's good to be here. <laughs> So this will shock you not at all that we put some stuff up on social media after the uh, loss to the Lakers about what's wrong with the Jazz. And a lot of people have a lot of opinions. And some of them probably have a portion of the truth. Some of them might have a good portion of the truth. But, you know, inevitably as media and as fans, we see it differently. We don't get to see practices. We don't get to hear halftime talks. There's interaction between players. There's stuff we don't know and we can't know. I'm sure you were bugged driving home after the uh, the loss to the Lakers. When, when you're driving in the car and you're just going home and you're thinking about, man, if we could just, we can't change everything all at once. If we could just change one thing, it would start making things better. You know, fix one thing, then fix another. What does your brain go to right away? Oh, I would probably be a two-hour show if we had to, uh, <laughs> had to go through it all. But, um, 
yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, I, there was a couple of us that were. I didn't leave the gym until about eleven o'clock. I think we were sitting there and trying to. I mean, like you said, you're not going to solve it all. Um, sitting there after the game or at halftime or pre-game. Um, but I think there's obviously some some things that we. Yeah, I think, like you said, there's there's some more obvious things on court stuff that we just need to um, sit down and or not even sit down, go out, go out and practice and, and, and figure it out, watch film, um, little things that we can control. We, we can always run back on defense. We can communicate on, on both ends of the floor, offense and defense. And um, I think the few of those key kind of components that we've always usually been kind of pretty good at um, is just lacking a little bit. And um, obviously that's resulting in the, the way we're playing and, um, I mean, it's it's one of the. Uh, I think I said it last week. We're one of finding your way and trying to figure it out. We we do have new guys, and, and I mean, I'm not going to say that every week because people will think it's just an excuse. But it does. It's always going to take time, and um, like I said, I'm definitely not not making any excuses for for how we've been playing. Um, kind of those last however many three, four, five games, whatever it is. Um, but we've been putting ourselves in, in horrible positions, being down 20. Um, some of the games we've been, um, it's like it's woken us up and we've, we've played well in the second half or a third quarter or whatever it is and got ourselves back in the game. And um, I mean, even last night, I think we started the game reasonably well. We, we were down kind of for whatever, four or five at quarter time. And um, it's kind of like we fell off a cliff after that. It just went, went all downhill. So, um, yeah, this, today will be... Um, a good day for us to, to get in and practice and watch film and um, kind of get back to some basics of what we need to do to to be the team that we, we know we can be and that we've showed this year at, at different times. How much of it is mental versus physical? Uh, I mean, probably, I mean, bits and power, I don't know what percentage it is, um, but de- definitely a bit of both. I, think, I mean, there was times... I know, I know, I, I know. I mean, everyone knows of a bit of emotion on court, but I think I even got caught showing some bad emotion. You, you get drained by um, things happening continuously, and there were certain parts in the game that we we are usually really good at, or, or things that we um, usually do really well that we're, we're just draining because we um, we practice it, we we do it every day, and then for it to still happen and 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 not just last night, it's obviously kind of over that period of, of games that we haven't played to the to the level that we, we should be playing at. Um, it's draining and you've got to um, get to the next play, as Coach would always kind of say, is, is if you miss a miss shot, turnover, whatever it is, we've, we've got to get to the next play and, and focus on that. And I think we've, we've struggled with that. We haven't got to the next play and it's kind of snowballed into three or four, five, six possessions instead of being one um, and I was getting a great shot or getting a, a stop defensively and trying to kind of fix it and turn it around as soon as possible until uh, instead of it snowballing like it kind of has. You know, obviously the defensive numbers have, have been much worse than they were. They were really good there for the first 15 games of the season and yeah. if I watch it, I think well, you know, it's and there are times there's bad defense, but also I feel like the defense is put in a really bad spot. You're in transition a lot. The turnover numbers seem to be up, 
And it's not always the same player. It doesn't always be the, seem to be the same situation. The only constant seems to be, my gosh, you're getting back in transition and the numbers are against you, and that's always going to sink the defensive stats. What can you do to cut down on turnovers as a group? Yeah, I think it's um, it's been a huge thing. I think and tying in with, with turnovers, I think, is um, not necessarily kind of bad shots, but it's shots where we're not in a position to, to get back. So when you're not expecting it or um, we've got late in the shot clock because we haven't been able to execute what we're trying to do. And and that, as silly as it kind of sounds, but that goes back to what I was saying with like, if they get a bucket or we, we have a breakdown, we, we don't inbound the ball quickly, we don't push the ball up and then we get stuck in a bad possession. We either, like you said, have a turnover or maybe we miss a shot that, goes awkwardly off the rim or something like that and then we're, we're five on three or it's four on two or whatever it is and um, I mean coaching defensive uh, transition defense is, is something that we control we can we can all turn our shoulders and run back That's <laughs> everyone can do that coach can do it you, you guys can do that anyone can do that so um, the turnovers have been uh, I don't know the numbers or anything I, I know they're high I don't know high for, for some games. I know the games that we haven't had them, we've uh, played a lot better, obviously. Um, and I think of that, some of the some of the turnovers come from, um, like we've talked about before, our, we have an unselfish team. We, we try to move the ball and um, I think we're always going to have more turnovers than other teams because of the way we play. Um, and some of them are just bad turnovers and they're the ones that really hurt you when you, like I said, when you're not in that position to get back um, when it's a pass or a shot or um, a, a possession that's just ugly and, and that's the ones that hurt you because then you've got LeBron coming full steam four on two or whatever it is which is uh, a pretty impossible task so um, like uh, it goes to little things our passing making sure we have accurate passes making sure we're in the right position defensively making sure we're spaced in the right spot so that if I do throw it to Donovan, someone's not standing next to him, or the, the big's not in. Whatever the, I mean, we could we could name a million different uh, scenarios, but um, like a few little things like that, better passes, spacing, uh, will will really turn our or put our turnovers down. How much does it bug you? Because it really bugged me just to watch a tatted up Dwight Howard hit a three and then run down the floor all laughing and smiling. That got under my skin, Joe. Yeah, it really pisses me off at little things like that. And them dancing on the baseline, I think, I'm not sure what quarter it was, but LeBron drove one time and shot a left-handed floater or whatever it was. And and that's a, that's where you get to the point of, like, as a team, you've got to man up. And um, I could use some other very uh, explicit words, which I'm not allowed to, but um, at that point, like, the not that they're trying to embarrass you because they're having fun. They're, they're playing well, obviously. Um, yeah, I mean, you can't fault them for that. We, we have fun too when we're, we're playing well and, and up um, up 20 points or whatever. But as a team that's, that that's happening to, you want to make a stand. You want to um, do what you have to do to, to stop that. And, and obviously for us, that starts from the start of the game of, of coming out the right way and, and playing a lot better, not having turnovers, taking good shots, playing defense, which we've been consistently over the six years I've been here been really good at. So um, I, I think one of the best things, obviously we always talk about getting to play pretty soon. We 
have um, a game on whatever it is Saturday at the moment um, coming up, but we 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 really haven't had any practices, which uh, for, for a team that plays the way we play and haven't been able to practice, I think these next two days is going to be really good for us to to get in the gym and, and watch film and, and actually get out there and practice together and um, have two days of that. I don't think you guys are probably know better than me. I don't know if we've had that all year this year so far. So, um, yeah, we're looking forward to these next couple of days and I think we'll, we'll be able to be able to get some really good stuff done and come out on Saturday and, and put out a lot better performance, which, which everyone deserves, especially obviously our, our fans that um, spend a lot of money to come and, come and watch us play. So we've talked about bringing the, you know, the the whole team's got to come together. There's a lot of new guys, and it's a process and all that. And and fans, as they, you know, tweet at us and hit Facebook up and social media and all that stuff, they'll say, you know, we've been through this before. Here we go again. Why do these stretches keep happening? I'm thinking, well, for 10 new players, they haven't kept happening. They haven't heard Quinn's voice. It's funny how a lot of things Quinn says kind of echoes what Jerry Sloan said for years. For fans, this is all saying in nature, but how much do you think with a new team, with 10 new guys, you have to go through this a little bit and the key is just keeping it to a little bit and not letting it snowball and if you start winning again, this stuff will just fade into the into the background, but you know, you got to pass through the fire I don't know, whatever the analogy is. I wish I were a better writer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's uh, and it's funny, like obviously the fans get frustrated by it and um on the flip side of that if if they think they're frustrated how do they, I, I would love to know how they think we feel about it because like i said we we know i guess the responsibility we have to, to come out and like i said that the fans are unbelievable here and they, they pay a lot of money and they come and watch us play um, and that's on us there's no like there's no excuses there's no we, we've got to put out better performances and um like you said, I think that kind of connectivity of the group is um, is always going to keep getting better because we do have guys, we've got guys that care, we've got guys that want to win basketball games. Um, but I also, on the flip side of that, I can see how and why they get frustrated because it's, um, it's frustrating to play sometimes when you're playing that way. Um, but, I mean, don't get me wrong at all, there's... there's not and not one person in our fifteen guys and our two ones and our jury team that isn't um, busting our ass every day at practice and in film and getting treatment. And Mike's in here, been in here all day, getting treatment yesterday to make sure he can kind of get out there as soon as possible. So in every aspect of the of the game and and all that, I, I don't want to want to feel like we're. Um, I don't know, taking it for granted or, or anything like that because because everyone um, I can tell you firsthand and that's there's no lie to it that everyone's obviously busting their ass and 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 trying to get a win and trying to make us or get us playing at the level that we know we we, we play at we we sit in the locker room talking about it we sit at practice talking about it we sit in the film room talking about it and um, obviously at some point it's got to translate and and that's on the players and um, even even Quinn it's like it's Quinn can only do so much. At some point, the players have to stand up, and um, whatever scheme we're doing defensively is, is nail that and, and be really good at it. And what he wants to do offensively, we've got to get to that and, and do that really well as well. And um, yeah, there's, there's, like I said, there's no excuses, and that's on the players. And, and we've got to we've got to get out there and do it. 
we saw late in that Toronto game the Joe Ingles that we've seen the last few years really uh, basically take over the Jazz offense. And, you know, you're assisting, you're scoring, you're doing what you do, and uh, you fill up the box score very well. Uh, what was going on there? You think we'll see more of it? Um, I think as funny as it sounds, as silly maybe as it sounds, it's the same thing as of getting connected. I, I, um, I probably hadn't had the ball in my hands that much um, this year. Um, but with obviously with Mike going out and um, there was just a couple more opportunities and I was obviously able to, to kind of take advantage of it, try to be aggressive. Um, it's not like I kind of haven't tried to do that other games, but we just kind of figure it out. Um, for me personally, yeah, I've just got to, when I do have those opportunities, if, it, it's, if it's in that pick and roll with Rooney or whatever it is, playing point guard a little bit in that game because it's, because um, of Mike being out, is, is take the opportunity and, and be really good. Um, I, I know I can play at a high level. I know I have a few stretches um, this year. And um, again, like what I said before, it's if, if people don't think we're frustrated and, and as annoyed as they are, um, they're crazy because we, we spend so much time and um, I guess effort on, on trying to be the best players we can. And um, it's frustrating for us as well. It's frustrating when you get an open three or whatever it is and you miss it. It's frustrating when you bust the ass of defense and you, something happens and they get a layup or whatever it is. Uh, um, me personally and, and the other of us, we've all got to kind of dig in right now and, um, yeah, try and get some stuff rolling because we, we don't want, like you said before, we don't want it to snowball into... Seven, eight, nine, ten games. I think we've got a good opportunity here on on Saturday after a couple of good days practice, and um, today's kind of the first day we get to to wake up and um, reflect on it and watch film and, and go out and practice. And I think um, having these two days will be be really good for our group. Well, Joe, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. And tell Boyan he's turning into a meme on uh, social media. His palms up. Is anybody else seeing LeBron just walking with the ball? That seems to uh, that seems to have resonated a little bit with people watching the NBA. I got a, he got a little mileage yeah, out of that. I'm not allowed to comment on the referees because I'll get in big big trouble. But, uh, that was more tell Boyan that he's a star, and you don't have to comment on the refs. I'll, I'll let him know he's a star. I mean, yeah. he's a star regardless. But that. Um, probably bumps him up a few more notches because he'll, uh, he'll be on that forever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. No worries at all. Thanks, guys. There's Joe Ingles on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. When we come back, all the headlines. What is trending? Next.